So I'm sitting in the car with who must be the most patient surveyor in Ireland because this is the third time I've attempted to record this interview with David Hart who's a surveyor who I um, recommend to my clients and third time lucky David I hope. Hopefully Brethany, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, the purpose of this uh, interview really David is to give people an idea who are buying houses as to why they want to use a surveyor. What's the whole point of using a surveyor? Firstly at what point do you come into the proceedings? How much do you cost and what do you do? So I'm going to say when you come into the proceedings. Okay. Um, when you've gone sale agreed on a property the person who's selling you the house will usually give the buyer between five and ten working days to get it surveyed. Um, and a survey, what does a survey do, David? Well, the first thing a survey will do, it will look is the house structurally sound. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, get themselves into situations where a house has maybe been altered or poorly built and the house isn't, uh, the house isn't right. Right. And therefore, uh, they're taking out a mortgage which is going to run 20, 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're now faced maybe with some major structural cost. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not every day that that happens or right. it's not that common. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you think about the, uh, the amount of money, the amount of time, uh, you're looking for just a little bit of peace of mind mm. that uh, you're not going to have this massive cost uh, okay. to hit you. So say of 100% of houses that you look at, in general, how many, what kind of percentage would you say to a client run screaming from? I would say probably 2 or 3%. 2 or 3%. It's, it's, down, it's down to that, that little, you know. Okay. Uh, most houses are well built. Mm -hmm. um, what the, are the main things that are... That put, what are the main things we see in houses that are not good in a survey? The biggest reason that I would tell people not to buy a house is poorly constructed attic conversions. Right. That's, uh, that, is the, that, uh, that I would say is the single biggest issue uh, that we find um, where somebody has decided they need an extra space to see this attic and to say, let's go up there. And they basically damage the structure in the attic and they end up with um, they end up with a house that is of no value because it needs major work to resolve the to resolve the problems that they've caused and uh, you know as we often say um, the room that they've got in the roof is probably uh, a poor quality room than what they used to put the stairs into I completely agree with you David and I were just saying we were just sitting outside a house that David surveyed and we're commenting on how often we see people butchering a perfectly good room um, at the first floor level to create a staircase to an attic and the attic space hasn't got the quality that that room you've just butchered has. Okay, so an attic conversion might be a warning sign for people if they're buying a house. And is it visible to the person buying if the roof structure has been damaged? Uh, it can be uh, if you can see if you can see into the side of the attic. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, um, the biggest problem with attic conversions are where prefabricated trusses have been used and that's a, a triangular shaped piece of timber um, or a triangular shape made from timber I should say uh, and they cut the centre pieces out of this triangle in order to make the roof space mm. and those those centre pieces are not put in uh, because they just looked good, yeah. they're put in because they're structural and so somebody sees this and say, oh we can take all this out and um, you know, there's plenty of uh, unscrupulous builders who will allow that to happen God. and probably know that what they're doing is wrong, but they see, uh, they see that uh, they're going to get work out of it. 
Right. So if you take away those supporting uh, struts or whatever you call them that are holding the roof in its triangular shape, then the roof will press out on the walls the, the of roo- the house? The roof will... Well, one, it will, it, the, the rafters will, will sag. What are rafters? The rafters are the, the piece that holds up the tiles, the closest mm-hmm. piece to the tile. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the, the struts, as we call them, the pieces that are cut out, they, they support those rafters. They keep those rafters from sagging. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the bottom of the truss, uh, which, what is, which is the ceiling of the upstairs, is not suitable for, uh, to, to make a floor from because the pieces of timber are not strong enough. Okay. And um, also, I have, seen, I have seen, you know, these fail and push the walls out. Right. Okay. Okay, so attic conversions are potentially um, a red flag. What else will make a house fail us? Uh, I suppose poorly, poorly built extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, Poorly built extensions are uh, an issue. Um, only last week, not too far from where we're sitting, uh, I saw an extension where once again the roof was uh, so poorly constructed that you could see the sag. You could visually see a sag of probably four inches within the roof. Right. Also, um, you know, we see cracking within the walls and uh, sometimes just uh, poorly built walls uh, that have no insulation uh, and therefore they're going to be very cold. Uh, especially a kitchen extension with three exposed walls is not going to be very comfortable unless it's well insulated and well finished. Okay, so that's a lack of comfort. But have you seen places where people have taken out supporting walls and built extensions? But that is that is common, and you will see you will see the telltale cracks very quickly uh, where that has been done. And it's very difficult if you don't see the cracks. Uh, you might want to, you might want to see certification from an engineer to say that this beam has that a beam has been put in there to support the walls. Right, because you can't see through the plasterworks. You, you, so you, you can't see through the plasterworks. And uh, that's, once again, that's why it's very important that you, when you're buying a house with maybe a large extension to the rear and a large part of the rear wall removed, that you would, um, you would say, well, has an engineer supervised this work? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if not, well, are you going to face into problems later on? Sure. And David, just you mentioned cracks there. Um, I know when I used to sell houses, I'd often hear chat amongst the viewers about the cracks. They'd be doing a lot of pointing at cracks. Yeah. How? What can we tell from cracks? Well, most houses crack. And if you look hard enough, you'll always find a crack in, right. in every house. And cracks are caused by, you know, very simple things like a little bit of settlement. Most houses are built on clay, they're not built on rock, and clay will move up and down with the seasons. Also, long terraces of houses, you will see cracking occurring because um, they're just the sheer length against the clay. One part of it's going to be a little bit softer than another part. Mm-hmm. And those cracks generally are innocuous. They're, they're, they're of no concern and purely aesthetic uh, rather than anything to be worried about. Right. And is there a rule of thumb for cracks? Well, the rule of thumb, say, for a settlement crack, which is what you will see um, maybe coming up on the corner of a house... Uh, striking a window is that it will be wider at the top than it will be at the bottom and that's because the one corner or one end of the house has settled slightly more than the other mm-hmm. and that's your very typical settlement crack it runs diagonally rather than rather than up 
mm-hmm. uh, vertically or horizontally. Right. And there the cracks did occur. And normally uh, you see them in older houses a lot and you just don't really worry too much about them. Also, you know, the width of the crack, you know, a crack maybe less than two millimetres is not really of any concern okay. uh, in that settlement, in that settlement area. Uh, understanding maybe the cause of the crack is the is the um is is the key thing to it um sometimes we have a we have a liking now for these high raised ceilings yes and these ceilings can push walls out and any surveyor who's looking at a house with a raised ceiling will be very quick to spend a lot of time looking at even small cracks that may have occurred because of okay. those type of ceilings okay and are you talking about houses that have been where the ceiling has been raised or just yeah, um, we 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 like now to have our, our large kitchen extensions with oh, uh, yes. high ceilings. Oh yes, and they, you will see a proportion of those with the walls pushing out because of yeah. the because of the force the, the the forces that the roof is pushing onto them. Okay, because very often those roofs have a lot of glass in them too. As well, yeah, yeah as well. And um, once again, that's time to maybe ask the question: Has has an engineer? Um, uh, designed this roof, designed the walls and the, and, and the beams that might go over those large windows. Um, and I think if you do see if you do see cracking in a raised ceiling, it is something that you should have checked out. Right. And when you go through a house, David, I notice you checking boilers and turning on taps and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, what I would normally do is I look at the house structurally in terms of the roof and the walls and all the rest of that. But then you might also... Um, Look at the heating system, the the windows, the electrical system, just to see what sort of condition that's in. Mm-hmm. Because even in the house that we've just looked at, uh, the shower, we just checked the electric shower. Uh, that could be a two or three hundred euro cost mm-hmm. uh, if it's not working. Mm-hmm. So you like to to see that uh, boilers are the same. You know, to replace a boiler, probably two thousand euro to uh, to have a replacement boiler fitted. Um, so it's it's good to have a look at those at those items as well, uh, just to see what uh, what they're like, and also you know to look at windows because you can look at two houses, uh, one that has nice new modern windows and one that has old windows. And both houses are the same price, mm-hmm. but you're getting but you're you could be getting five to ten thousand euros worth of windows yes. uh, with one house and yes. not with the other. Uh, and that's uh, you know that's uh, something that people don't really notice until they're actually living in the house. Mm-hmm. And doing your that's a very good point. Do you um, notice that with certain types of houses you come across certain types of problems? For example, we're sitting outside an ex-council house now, kind of 1930s, 1940s house. And I think you mentioned to me that you would expect to see something in this yeah, particular I, house. Yeah, I, when, I, when I arrive at these old corporation houses, I will always look for woodworm because probably 50% of them have it. Right. And it's normally, um, normally when houses have been well insulated because of the grants and all the rest of that, uh, that actually increases uh, the possibility of woodworm in the houses. Now, woodworm in itself in the roof is not the worst thing if is is caught on time and properly treated mm-hmm. uh, the 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 larvae eat through the, the fiber of the timber and will weaken it but it takes quite a lot uh, for that to happen 
but once again you're buying this house it's 60 70 years old uh, you're going to live in it for 40 years and you really don't want when you retire to realize you've got to put a new roof on your house sure. so it's now is the time to make sure that you've you've treated the woodworm and you've treated the causes of the woodworm right and and speaking of causes of woodworm if anyone's listening to this who isn't thinking of buying a house but who may have a well insulated attic should they be looking at fence they should be looking at fence um traditionally older houses like we're like here these corporation houses didn't need vents because Mm -hmm. they had old timber doors they had three maybe at least three fireplaces so these houses were very well ventilated Mm. Uh, but now with pvc windows uh, stoves fireplaces being blocked up uh, and then the addition of insulation in the attic we're finding a massive amount of increase in the moisture levels in the roofs Mm. and these moisture levels are caused by condensation uh, coming from showers boiling kettles cooking all of that and um, that condensation is fundamentally going to be absorbed by the timber in the attic right. and once the timber becomes uh, to a certain level of dampness then it attracts woodworm mm. uh, and that's um, and that's why we're seeing woodworm in these houses because they, they, they don't have natural ventilation in the roof uh, and uh, they, um, any ventilation that has been there has been blocked up to make them more energy efficient um, mm. as such. Okay, um, so if you so that's a common problem with say 1930s, 1940s houses. If you're outside a red brick Victorian house, is there anything you'd be expecting? You'd be on high alert for? Well, I think you'd look for woodworm as well. Right. Um, and now red brick Victorians they were absolutely so well built. Mm. Um, well, Edwardian houses uh, maybe I'd have more experience with, but definitely um, superbly built, superb workmanship. And sometimes what I'd be more concerned about with those houses is that people have gone at them in the more recent years and uh, damaged them because they wanted to put in maybe a Velux skylight or something like that. Right. Uh, the, the big problem, I suppose, the first thing I would look for in one of those old red brick houses are problems with chimneys. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, we looked at a house... Um, uh, which was probably of that era where we saw both of those problems. One was a styra attic a stairs was fitted and a major uh, struss was removed from the roof. Mm. And uh, also the chimney had become quite porous and needed to be uh, needed a mortar joints between the bricks to be redone, as they call pointing, uh, and probably some work done to the top to try and prevent the ingress of the rain into the chimney which was damaging the timber in the in the roof. And could you see all that with your naked eye, or were you up in the attic? Or oh, you see, you... well, you'll, I suppose you'll, you'll, you'll get into the attic and see it, mm-hmm. um, but you'll also expect it, because mm. you, you, you know what you're going to see in the various uh, different types of houses. Mm. And I would suppose chimneys, brick chimneys especially, will leak, and the older the, the, older the chimney, um, the more likely it is to uh, have become porous through the mortar joints. Mm-hmm. And how about damp? Well, damp is, um, I suppose damp comes from uh, three different areas. Rising damp, uh, which we some people would say doesn't exist, uh, to damp that's caused by poor heating and poor insulation, or damp that, like the damp that comes through the chimneys and through the structure. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we talk about rising damp for a minute? Yeah, um, I, I suppose rising damp is caused mainly, mainly from 
a high water table mm-hmm. and modern houses have damp proof courses and uh, damp proof membranes and all the rest of that but the older houses didn't have that and do damp proof courses do they just go up a certain height in a house uh, well the damp proof course runs horizontal along the bottom of the wall right about six it should be about six inches above the ground mm-hmm. and level with the floor and that damp proof course stops this this so-called rising damp coming up mm-hmm. but rising damp is more of a is more caused by having damp present within the ground mm-hmm. uh, to rise. So uh, you'll find it where people have put in uh, patios uh, close to the house at a high level, mm-hmm. which breaches the damp-proof course. Um, or oh, okay. So if you're looking for a patio laid outside your house, yes. what ideal... Should, should the house fall down onto the patio? Yeah, the, the patio should ideally be six inches below okay. the, the front door level. Okay. Uh, and that, that, that should stop any... Any chance of of rising dam coming in? Also, flower beds and you know the likes can can right up da- against the wall. Right up against the wall, and where we would have had maybe gravel or chippings, we now have this cobble lock and concrete, uh, which is uh, pushing water into the wall rather than letting it soak down into the ground. Right. Um, so there there are issues that can solve the problem in country areas where you might have high water tables, uh, just proper drainage around the house. Uh, mm-hmm. Can, can affect it or um, maybe not so much here in these corporation estates but in the older estates back to the 1920s where you had a lot of clay pipes mm-hmm. uh, these can get blocked and cracked and broken and the damp say from the damp from down pipes uh, is not going through the is not going through the pipes but it's ponding underneath the house and that can create that right. can create damp as well and uh, I, I've seen this uh, where uh, you know all sorts of fixes were put in place uh, membranes for rising damp mm-hmm. and when the clay pipe was looked at the clay pipe was blocked Right. That was that was the basic cause of it. So so you know it's a bit like going to the doctor. um, uh, He he has to try and solve the cause of the problem as well as the problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you know you should look at why why has a perfectly good house that's not been damp for twenty or thirty years suddenly Mm. become damp, Mm. and try and find where the where that where that cause is, Mm. rather than trying to just solve a symptom. Sure. And if you have you ever looked at a house where something in the garden is causing trouble, like there's a tree too close to the house? Yeah, or that's, that, that's, a, that's a problem. And um, in that, you know, there is a guide for trees. And, you know, it's lovely to have a big ash tree or oak tree in your garden. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's going to happen when it starts to rot and the wind comes and the wind comes and maybe blows it into the house? But also the roots of that tree will get underneath the foundations. Mm-hmm. And a tree will take thousands of gallons a week out of the out of the of water out of the ground right and that water uh, when it's removed from the from the ground will actually uh, cause the the clay to shrink slightly right and so therefore you... and therefore you get this settlement crack this uh, that will um, that will basically uh, just create the create this cracking within your house that settlement and you wonder why it has happened or vice versa where um, there has been a lot of trees around the house and the trees are cut down and then you get what's called heave cracks and they're slightly different uh, you will know the heave crack because it's wider at the bottom than it is at the top okay because the house is pushing up right and so it's uh, it's um, 
it's all of these all of these things can be uh, can be problems so uh, you know removing a lot of trees very quickly can can have that effect on okay the, so a heave um, crack is the cracks wider at the bottom and a settlement crack the yeah, at the top. at the top, yeah. Right, so at least you know what, what, your di- what the problem is. What there. the problem is, yeah. And if you had a daughter or a son who was heading off to buy a house and they said, David, just give me a few pointers here. I'm going out to look at a house. You have, you're in and out of houses every day. What would you recommend? What well, am I looking out for? What's well, I, I would look for a house, that, if it's an older house, to try and find a house that's well looked after. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, um, you you would um, you know maybe the older house that it has maybe windows uh, that have been updated, mm-hmm. a boiler that's been updated. Uh, if there is an extension onto it that this has been built by you know a competent builder supervised by somebody who was competent to do that with a paper trail behind it. With a paper trail, yeah, you're, and you're, you're looking for guys who are being in business and. Uh, who have uh, who are probably working in the area for for it could be you could have a builder there and it could be two or three generations yeah and uh, those guys will always um, turn out good work and they'll work in a local area for for all those generations because they they build a reputation mm. uh, and just to interrupt you there from the point of view of being an agent who's selling the house very often agents who are selling the house haven't asked that question of the vendor themselves, that the the agent may not even know if that extension has got a paper trail behind it. Now, if they're a good agent, when they take the house on to sell, they'll say to the vendor, look, when we go sale agreed, the purchaser's solicitor is going to be looking for certs for proper support if a back wall has been taken out, for certificates if an attic extension has been done. So it's no harm to ask an estate agent when you're looking at a house, do they know the history of the building mm. house? Well, I, I can never understand that, um, that an agent who goes to all that work and advertising and showing the house, and then when I arrive on the scene and there's no paper trail for extensions, mm. uh, that, you know, this, this just all of a sudden, all of a sudden stops. Yeah. And uh, there's, no, there's no payoff um, for, for the agent at that stage. It's true, but it could be a delicate thing as an agent when you're taking a house on to sell. You so want to get that house to sell that that's not the time to ask the delicate questions <laughs> at the valuation. Then when you get the house on to sell, sometimes they're just so I excited suppose, yeah, I that suppose. then they don't ask the delicate questions either. Yeah. Okay, so look for a house that looks like it's been well cared for. Ask questions of the agent. And I remember once on one of the surveys on our travels, you said to me, have you fallen in love with the house? I yeah. thought that was a good, <laughs> yeah, good point. That's always a problem because um, you, you come to a house and the house is probably needs much more work than the than the client can afford mm. uh, but the client has rose-colored glasses and thinks that this will be okay and mm-hmm. uh, everything will be all right and i'll get it to i'll get it to work and that happens that happens with mature people as well as young people mm. that they just they want this house and sometimes you can understand it because it's a house local to where they've grown up and they have mm. family locally and they can afford this house in terms of the the, the, the basic cost mm-hmm. but you're looking at a house and you know that it's going to cost 30000 40000 to get this to a decent standard mm-hmm. uh, and they can't afford to do that because they're they're, they're pushed to they're pushed with their mortgage yeah uh, it's one of the few occasions where you might say it's not always location 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 it's not location at any yeah, price not yeah. at the price and of a house that's been totally 
Right. That's, yeah, and that's and that's the problem because you know it's a house maybe that would be better for a builder to come into or somebody who who has a who has a, a knowledge of construction yeah. that can get that house to a level. Uh, mm. But you know, some couple who work in IT or in healthcare yeah. or whatever—it's just going to be too big a project yeah, for them to. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Some houses are just not suitable really for a private buyer. They're they're just too far gone. Yeah, they're just too far gone, and there, there's a risk. And even it doesn't matter how much survey you do; it's only when you get into that house and start taking it apart, and you find that the wall plates are rotten, or that there's something else is wrong with yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and that's not for that's not for somebody who can take it on unless they, you know, can put sweat equity into the into the house themselves. Yeah. And David, finally, um, apartments. We haven't touched on them, and I've always questioned merely the value of getting a survey done on an apartment when there's so little that a surveyor can actually there's see the, in yeah, an apartment it's, building. It's, they can't get into the roof, and they can't get down to the. And and you know what I what I come across the paper trail on apartments can be so poor as well mm-hmm. uh, that you don't you don't see it. Um, and I suppose from the point of view of apartments, you're looking at, you know, first and foremost, is there a decent fire system in the in the apartment? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's that's critical. And you can tell uh, that. From well, you can tell it. You can tell. Um, you can tell that there's uh, smoke alarms and fire lighting oh, yeah. and say and emergency lighting mm-hmm. that are there. And um, you can you look at you know the overall maintenance of the public areas. Uh, if the apartment is run down, you're probably going to have problems. Uh, on an ongoing basis because the management company is not good mm-hmm. uh, and you're depending uh, on the management company most apartments have terraces uh, above them which form one person's one person's roof garden is another person's roof yeah and uh, you, you know a large percentage of those leak mm. and even if it's not leaking on the day of the survey it can mm-hmm. be leaking five years time mm-hmm. has the management company got the money to uh, you know, to solve this problem, are they going to, you know, and have you... Say it does leak, what's going to happen then? The water leaks down the... The water, the, the water from the, the terrace above leaks mm-hmm. into your ceiling. You've got a, mm. this mark in your ceiling. Okay. And, um, you know, not, just, there's no point in painting over it because mm. it's going to keep leaking. Mm. And there's more than likely um, some, sort of, some sort of a deck, whether it's a timber deck or, or paving or whatever, uh, then a waterproof layer. And all of that's got to be removed. The waterproof layer's got to be redone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, roof terraces and balconies, sometimes sometimes the leak may not be from where you think it's coming from. Okay. And uh, so all of that work can be done at the cost of the management company. Um, and uh, you come next winter, see there's still a leak here. Mm. And uh, so they can be frustrating. Okay. But, but I think you need to see, you need to check out your management company. Uh, that they can fix these problems. Okay. Um, so fire, leaks. Fire and leaks are the big are, are the, the big, big issues. Okay. You rarely see structural issues with with apartment blocks because they're uh, they're they're built with a lot quite a lot of concrete floors and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Now there are timber frame apartments, and you may uh, certainly you would have to be worried. Uh, about those because of the issues that have that mm-hmm. have um, that have occurred in in in, in places. Um, I've been involved with timber frame apartments, and I know they're extremely well built. Uh, but I would um, 
I would sometimes be a little bit a little bit worried that there's adequate fire protection um, and timber frame houses for that matter. They, because it's a timber frame, the fire can travel along the timber frame and you're concerned... Or within the cavities and the, and the void spaces and you, you have no way of knowing that the fire barriers... Uh, are, that should have been put in place, have are, been put are, in place. Are, are put in place. And you're back once again, is there a paper trail that has this been properly, right. has this properly been, been looked at? And, you know, and, and I suppose it's wrong to single out timber frame apartments, but all apartments should have that paper trail. Okay, and so that's basically a job for a solicitor then, rather than a surveyor. Rather than a surveyor, you yeah. You can't physically see that. Exactly, exactly. So it is, it's, it's, always, a, it's always an issue um, with apartments because they're such big buildings and they have, um, they have just, you know, been badly built at times. Um, they, they, we've had these issues where, you know, poor building practices have allowed, have allowed these apartments to be built uh, without proper supervision. Okay, so that's, there's very little comfort then for the person buying an apartment who's had it surveyed because really, in a sense, okay, a surveyor can see that the fire systems are in place, but they can't see that the fire breaks have been properly Correct, done. Yeah. They can see that the balcony is or is not leaking today, but they can't really see why it's leaking necessarily. Yes. Or they can't check that there's enough money in the management company's accounts to fund the repair if... But but once again, you know, you need to go back to get your solicitor to check the management company right. and to and to make sure that that's that there is some that there that you know that there is some solid uh, <laughs> instrument in place or elements in place yeah. that will be able to pay for any damage that uh, that yeah. does occur. Okay. Well, David. Third time lucky. Let's hope this interview actually has been recorded and I'm so grateful to you. And if people want to get you, it's David Hart. DavidHart.ie. H-A-R-T. I-E, and a survey costs typically? Typically including VAT, about €400. Euro. Very good. So uh, everyone who I've recommended David to has been delighted with the service and I've always found him to be very kind of practical and non-dramatic as a surveyor, which is always great. Thanks, Brett. So thanks very much, David. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs>